Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are, what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you want to partner with us by giving into this ministry, we invite you to visit our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our Edmond Campus pastor, Wade Smith. Can we take just a minute and worship God and thank Him for how good He is? God, you are good. And I don't know what you're going through this morning, and some of you may be going through something very difficult, but I, I want to remind you this morning that He is good, that no matter what you're going through, He is with you. And I was just watching something that was really special this morning. We have a, a person on staff named Joey Chapel, and uh, OKC Campus loves him very much. He's over the facilities here, but he's a pastor at heart, and uh, he's a pastor on staff. And I was watching him as his daughter, this is Leanne, can you get the camera on Leanne for me? Give it up for Leanne. Leanne was leading us in a song of worship and I was watching a father. I was watching a father being led in worship by his daughter. And I went over and I gave Joey a hug and I said, man, how cool is that? And he said, you don't understand that many years ago, I, I did some things that broke this relationship. And I just, and I was watching this and I was thinking to myself, how good is God? So good. Yeah. So good. We serve a God who is a restorer of hope. And if you came in this morning and you have a broken relationship with a son or a daughter or in a marriage or whatever relationship it looks like, we serve the God of hope. That just like God restored this relationship, God can restore your relationship. So I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what, what challenge is in front of you. I don't know what relationship is broken. But can we worship God, the God of hope, that we would overflow with hope this morning. And in Edmond, I miss you this morning. Can we welcome the Edmond campus? I love you. I'm so thankful for you. But if you are missing some hope, if you need some hope this morning, I thank God that he is the God of hope. And whatever you're facing today, that we, could, that we serve a God that restores our hope. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? So God took me to this verse, this passage that I want to... Um, that I want to talk about this morning is in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7. It says this, it's talking about hope. And I had no idea when, when I came across this verse, I totally forgot that we were even starting Advent this morning. And the, the passage I'm about to read is all about hope, and yet the candle that we're going to light at the end of the service today is on hope. Isn't it cool how God just kind of does that? That there's a plan in place. I had no idea. God, God brings me to this passage. It really goes with what we're going to be celebrating today. So 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Say a living hope. Amen. Through the resurrection of of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, 
kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice. Can we rejoice for just a second? In this, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Isn't that where we've been through the last couple of years? And we're, we're grieving. He says, though that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Today I want to talk to you about the hope of inheritance. The hope of inheritance, that we have an inheritance. Pastor John has been talking to us over the last several couple of months just about the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ, that we are not orphans in the kingdom of God, but we are sons and daughters. Can we thank God for that? That we're born again into a living hope, a living hope that there's an inheritance to. And then I I, I found this verse in Ephesians 1.18, and this is my prayer for us this morning, is this, this. It says that I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Can we pray that this morning? Father, we thank you. God, would you open our, our eyes of our heart? Would you enlighten us this morning to your inheritance, to the glory, to the hope that we have in you? You are a living hope. God, thank you for sending Jesus for us. Jesus, thank you for going to a cross, for dying, for defeating sin and death and walking out of a tomb and resurrecting. Thank you for what that means in our lives. Thank you for the inheritance that we have in you. In Jesus' name, and everybody would say, amen and amen. Slap a high five, grab a seat. Say, it's gonna be a good day. Well, those of you watching online, thank you for joining us today. I hope the, the message really speaks to you this morning. Can we take just a second? I want to take just a second. I am so thankful for our lead pastor, Pastor John. Can we take a second? I believe he's watching either at this service or the next service. And so, Pastor John, we love you. We're so thankful for you. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to get to bring the message today. And I hope you have having a great time at the ranch this weekend with your family. Today, I want us to talk about hope. How many of us need hope? How many of us have a situation that seems a bit hopeless right now? My prayer is that today, that there would be a resurrection of hope in your life today. Because hope is a powerful thing. Hope is, how many of us know that hope is important? Listen, you have to, I'm telling you, hope is an important thing. My first point today is this. I want us to to really grab this. This is important for us to understand, first and foremost, is is this. Is our hope is a living hope. Say living hope. Our hope is a living hope. See, we have to get this first. Now, I know that this can be um, seem kind of just, you know, this is kind of one of those obvious points that we sing about it, we hear about it, we read about it. But if we don't get this right, we get everything else wrong. Because we don't put our hope in things that perish, we put our hope in a living hope, right? In something that is imperishable. But oftentimes, we find our hope in many things. Some of us, we find our hope in our job, right? We find our hope in in our finances. We find our hope in 
relationships. We find our hope in things that, that we want in this world. We find our hope in these things. And let me just, as I was studying, what God revealed to me is that that's not a bad thing to have hope for things. We just don't have hope in things. Since I was studying, what I, what I realized is that there's a subtle difference in the words that we use, but there's a big difference in the kingdom of God. The words in and for are very important. Because oftentimes, like I said, we'll find our hope in something instead of someone. We'll find our hope in a job, and so within our job is when we're let go or something happens in our job or someone else gets the promotion and we don't, all of a sudden our hope begins to diminish. We'll put our hope in a person and all of a sudden that person will do something or say something that hurts us and all of a sudden our hope begins to diminish. Our finances and our, all of a sudden that begins to diminish. We'll put our hope in situation. We'll put our hope in the Sooners. Oh, Lord Jesus. I got to give it up for the Pokes, you guys. Come on. I'm not a Pokes fan, but you guys played good. You played good this time. It's so subtle, but it's so crafty of the enemy because the enemy is tricky, isn't he? And the enemy wants to replace your in for four. He wants to take what you have hope in and he wants you to put that in what, in what you should be having hope for. It's not bad to have hope for things. We just can't have hope in those things. Our hope is not in a job. Our hope is not in a person. Our hope is not in a possession. Our hope is not in a thing. Our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Our living hope. But the enemy is fighting for your hope. Because the enemy knows this, if he can get your hope, then eventually maybe he can get your faith. And how many of us, if we would just be real honest today, real honest today, we would say this, that our hope has been diminishing. Come on, let's just be honest, this is church. Hands all over. I would encourage you with this, maybe, let, me just, let me just be real, let me lovingly challenge you this morning. If your hope has been diminishing, maybe you've been placing your hope in something that will perish instead of something that's everlasting. In fact, in scripture, there's in, the, this, in this passage, uh, verses one through four, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. I wanna talk about those three words, imperishable. Here's what it means. I'm not gonna even try to say what it means in the Hebrew, but here's what it means. It means not liable to corruption or decay. It means to be immortal. Unfading, I mean undefiled. Here's what it means. Not defiled, unsoiled, free from that which the nature of the thing to be deformed and debased or its force and vigor impaired. Can I just remind you today that the force and the power of God is not impaired. It is not impaired. And the last one is this, unfading. Here's what it means. Everlasting and eternal. 
The enemy wants you to place your hope in something that will perish because when that begins to perish, your faith begins to perish. If he can get your hope, then eventually maybe, just maybe, if you, if you get your hope, maybe you get your faith. If you begin to diminish your hope, maybe your faith goes with it, but God wants to restore your hope because we don't place our hope in something that we should be hoping for. We place our hope in someone in Jesus Christ. So we have to get this right. If we don't get this right, we miss everything else. Our hope is in a living hope. So point one, our hope is in living hope. Point two is this, our hope is guarded. Say guarded. It says this, kept in verse five, kept in heaven for you who by God's power, say God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be re revealed in the last time. I'm so thankful that my hope is in Jesus. And here's what it says. This, this word guarded is this, it's for real. I like to, to say it like this, for real though. Say for real though. Here's what it means, this word guarded. It means to be a watcher in advance. I'm so thankful that God has gone in advance and he is watching over us. He's watching over our hope. He's watching over you. And here's what it says, to mount guard as a centennial, post spies at a gate, to protect, to keep. Say keep. We have to keep our hope. And just like I said earlier, the enemy is after your hope. He wants to steal your hope. He wants to get your hope. But I'm so thankful that at the very same time, that there's an enemy coming to steal my hope, to get my hope. There's a God in heaven who has given me the power through faith to guard my hope. See, God's given us the power. It's on us to be able to use that power. We have to keep it. We have to guard it. Say, say keep it. I, I, rem, I, I like to, um, I played soccer growing up. Now I know some of you, Pastor John knocks me for soccer. Soccer is the greatest sport on the face of the planet. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Pastor Oscar said yes. He grew up playing as well. We're two versus one on Pastor John. So that's, he's a basketball fan. <laughs> Unbelievable. But it doesn't matter what sport you play. I, I coached for, for several years. And, and when, when the kids are very young in soccer, there's something that you, you teach them. You teach them, it's called shielding the ball. And shielding the ball, when you first teach a kid shielding the ball, what they do is you put the ball, you put someone here, you put yourself here, and you put the ball there. You put yourself between you and the ball, right? But what happens is, every time you go to teach this, you put this little box. Like imagine these four cones, and you put this box, and you put the, you put the two players, you say, your job is to take the ball, your job is to protect the ball, and you put them between. And here's what happens every single time whenever you, you teach this. The very first time they do it, they just kind of stand here. And the person that's supposed to take the ball just goes right through them and knocks them down and takes the ball. And when I was thinking about this, I, I started to think that that's often how many of us are in our relationship with God. That God has said, I'm the living hope, I've given you hope, I've given you the power to protect your hope, but you're not protecting it. And so what you do as a coach is, is you always, you, you take them, you say, no, 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 no. You know that's gonna happen, and you watch it happen, because if you let it happen, then you can teach them something. You gotta let people make mistakes sometimes. I wonder if that's where God sits at times. 
I'm just gonna let this kind of happen because I've got something greater for you. I wanna teach you. And so what you do is you take that same situation and you put them in and you say, now what I want you to do this time, you step in for them. And you say, I want you to plant your foot. I want you to get your weight on the front foot. I want you to put yourself between them. I want you to get your body on them a little bit. Come on. And at all costs, I want you to protect that ball. When he comes in for that ball, I want you to protect that ball. Here's what God is saying to you. I want you to keep your hope. I want you to sacrifice, you would tell them, sacrifice your body. I want you to sacrifice your, I want you to do whatever you have to do to keep that ball. God is saying, I want you to keep your hope. Say, keep your hope. Some of us, our hope is dwindling right now. Who needs a resurrection of hope this morning? I would say this, keep your hope. I'd go further to say, some of us need to fight for our hope this morning. Some of you have been facing something that is incredibly challenging. And it's easy for me as a pastor to stand up here and say, you need to keep your hope, you need to fight for your hope, but, but Pastor Wade, you don't know what I'm going through. I talked with a guy a few weeks ago at the Edmond campus, precious guy going through just a ton. Has cancer right now, there's a lot going on, and we met and he's telling me what he's going through and telling me what, what he feels like. And, and here's why he wanted to meet. Why he wanted to meet was he was concerned that he, was, that he had lost his faith. He was asking me, we were, we were processing the situation. He's going, I wonder if I'm losing my faith. And as we begin to process this situation, I begin to ask him questions, and I begin to ask him, well, do you love Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus. Do you put your faith in him? Do, do you believe that Jesus went to a cross for you? Yeah, I believe Jesus went to a cross for me. Do you believe Jesus died on the cross for you? Yeah, I believe Jesus died on the cross. Do you believe Jesus resurrected and defeated sin and death? Yeah, I believe. And so what we came to, 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 to realize is he hadn't lost faith in who God was, he began to lose hope for his situation. See, oftentimes when, when, I, was, when I was processing this message, I, I really started to study the difference between faith and hope. And what I've realized is oftentimes as Christians, we don't even realize it, we use them synonymously. We talk about hope and faith and kind of make it the same thing. It's not the same thing. See, our faith is in who God is then we can hope for what God can do. If your faith is in who God is, listen. So what we had to do was, I, I had to kind of walk him through this process. And I began to, I asked him those questions and, and he realized, yeah, I have faith in who God is. And so then I asked him this question. I said, so then if God is who he says he is, do you believe that God can do what he says he can do? He said, yeah, I, I guess I do, because here's the, here's the crossroads that we all have to face as Christ followers, is do we believe it or don't we? Do we believe the word of God? I'm asking you. 
Do we believe God is who he says he is? Let me, let me hear your answers. Then can we have hope for what God can do? But here's the tricky part. The, the hard part is this, is if we're not careful, we'll allow ourselves to begin to doubt what God can do, which will lead us to doubt who God is. So if, so if the enemy begins to get your hope, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, listen to me. This is really important. If the enemy begins to get your hope and your hope dwindles and your hope dwindles and your hope dwindles, then you begin to ask these questions. Do I even have faith in who God is? But at the core, we know as Christ followers that if we believe who God is, if we have faith that God is who he says he is, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, above it all, can we worship him for just a second? Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. I believe in who you are. Listen to me, listen to me. Some of you need to go back to the very basics of your faith and say, I believe in who you are. I believe, God, that you died. I believe, God, that you sent Jesus. I believe, Jesus, that you went to a cross even though you didn't have to. I believe that you went into a tomb and I believe you walked out. So if I believe that, then I can begin to have hope for what you can do in my situation. And what happened in that office that day was a man went from thinking he had no faith to being full of hope. Because here's interesting. Here's what's, here's what's really interesting about what this says. It says, kept in heaven for you who by God's power, by God's power, are being guarded through what? Faith. Through faith. Faith, listen, faith guards your hope. It's like when in Ephesians, in Ephesians where it talks about it being a shield of faith. We have to sometimes take up the shield of faith and say, listen, I know who you are, God. Despite all the circumstances, I know who you are, so therefore I can have my hope in you. But the, the world is tricky. I look at some antonyms for hope, and here's what the world would say. These are just worldly antonyms for the word hope. Disbelief, dislike, distrust, doubt, fear, hate, hatred, despair, discouragement, pessimism, and these Two stuck out to me. Fact, reality. Here's what the world would say. If I can't see it working, then it doesn't exist. If I don't, God, if I don't see you working, if I don't see my situation improving, if I don't see you at work, then this must not be working. God, you must not exist. That's what the world would say. That's what the enemy wants you. He want, this is just the reality of the situation. You ever said that before? I'm on, this is church. Yeah, 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 I get that God can. Yeah, I get that God can do that for them and I, I have hope for their situation. No, God wants you to have hope for your situation. Now, but this is just the reality of the situation. This is what the enemy wants you to think. But here's what it says in scripture in Romans 8, 24 through 25. It says, for this hope we were saved. 
But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently. Can I just remind some people this morning that need hope that you may not be seeing it. It may not feel like it, but you serve a God that is right now behind the scenes. Come on, in the unseen, back in the background, working on your behalf, doing something. You just need to keep your faith. You need to keep your hope. Can we just worship God for who he is, for what he can do, and thank him this morning. Our hope is found in you. Third thought is this. So our hope is a living hope. Our hope is guarded. The third thought is this. Our hope is tested. Say tested. How many of us like tests? You're weird. <laughs> weird people. I, I, I didn't like tests. Um, uh, I was in college. I was the guy that knew the right person to make friends with before a test would happen. Anybody like me? Come on. I was a back rower, any back rower. I see some back rowers back here, you know what I'm saying? There's some back rowers in Edmond this morning. And what I would do is I would find out who took really good notes. I'd sit in the back because you know what you can do in the back? I was strategic, any strategic people? I'd sit in the back and I'd be like, whoo, I could scan the whole room. And I found out Oscar doesn't take good notes, so I'm not sitting next to him. Joey, Joey takes good notes. I'm gonna hang out with Joey. And you know what I would do? I would become best friends with Joey. <laughs> Joey had no idea I was manipulating him the whole time. I'd see someone that took good notes and I would become their best friend and we'd hang out and I wouldn't study and then right before the test, hey, hey Joey, I got a test tomorrow. Can you, man, do you mind sending me? I wanna compare your notes with my notes because I didn't have any notes. Joey, can I see your notes? And I would sit next to Joey and I'd get really good and I'd study the night before. And what made Joey mad is I would make a better grade on the test than Joey did. <laughs> I don't like tests. The interesting thing about a test in, in, in college or growing up, a test is all about the professor wanting to know if you understand the material. See, that's not the way it is in in the kingdom of God. God does not worry about you understanding. God's worried about the application. God wants to know, can you apply this? Listen, God wants to know, yeah, you know you're supposed to have hope, but in this situation, can you still have your hope? That's the test. The test is, will we have hope even when it feels like it's impossible? Am I speaking to anybody this morning? For some of you, you're going through something so challenging. And as I was sitting in this office with this guy, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to be real vulnerable for just a second as a pastor. I was thinking to myself, man, I'd, I'd be struggling too. I'm not real sure. I would hope that I could have hope in his situation. But regardless of what the situation is, the test still remains. 
Will I have hope when it feels like it's hopeless? Because the test is not about passing or failing. The test is about purity. This is what it says in Scripture. It says, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And if you're not going through something specific just this past couple years, that is where we're at. We've been grieved. It says, so that the tested genuineness, say genuineness, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though a fire is tested. It's not about, listen, the, the, you know this, you've heard this, you've heard many pastors say this, the way, they, the way that they test gold, they'll put it in the fire. They'll bring the gold out, and what do they do? And they scrape the impurities. Then what do you do after that? You put it back in the fire. You bring it back out, and what do you do? You scrape off the impurities. I believe that God right now in some people's life, he just wants to make you pure. The test that you're going through right now, and I'm not saying, listen, listen, don't mishear me. I'm not saying that God causes your situation. I'm not. But I do see in Scripture, time and time again, where God allows a situation to happen because it's testing us. Job was tested. In fact, the, enemy, the devil comes to God and what's he say? He says, I want, to, I want your man Job. And God's like, this is what's really strange to me. He says, go ahead, <laughs> attack him. But what you'll find is Job belongs to me. And I believe this is what God is saying. Go ahead. Oh, you want Cindy? <laughs> oh, enemy, you want, you want Ray? No, 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 no. You can do all you want to them, but I'm just telling you, at the end of this test, they'll be more pure and they'll be more mine than they ever were. And some of you are going through a test and what you need to say is this, I'm not gonna lose my hope, I'm not gonna lose my faith, because in God I trust, he is a living hope, he is more ho hopeful than anything that perishes, my hope is in him, and at the end of this test, I'll be pure. At the end of this test, my faith and my hope will be genuine. Mm. That's good right there, come on. Here's what this word, Test means in the, it's either Greek or Hebrew, I don't even know. <laughs> to test, it's probably Greek because it's New Testament. To test, examine, prove, I'm not a total idiot, okay? <laughs> to test, examine, I just had to say that for Oscar. To test, to examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to see whether the thing is genuine or not, has metals. And what God wants to say is, listen, test them all you want, but all this is gonna do is, gen is produce genuine faith and genuine hope. Mm. It's about purification. Look at this verse again in Romans 8, 25. I just read it a little bit ago. It says, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is not seen is no hope at all, for who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait How? Patiently, can we just be patient? Is there any patient people in the house today? You're lying. 
2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, say, say it with me. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. Light and momentary. Can I just remind you, even though this feels impossible, it's light and it's momentary. Troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we, so we do what? We fix our eyes. Not in what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is what? Eternal. I'm so thankful that although I love my job, my hope doesn't have to be in my job. Listen, if I'm not a pastor another day, it doesn't determine my relationship with God. I'm so thankful that I have an amazing wife, but my hope is not in my wife. I'm so thankful that I have an amazing kids, but listen, I'm not just getting parents, amen. I don't have hope in my, I don't have to have hope in my kids. I can hope for my kids, whoo, Jesus. But my hope is not in my kids. I'm so thankful that something as fleeting as money will never be my hope but my hope is in Jesus. The last thought is this. Point four, our hope produces results. Our hope produces results. It says this, in this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in what? In praise, help me out, in glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. At the end of all of this, three things, Praise, glory, and honor. As your faith is guarded, as you put your faith in the living hope and then your faith is guarded and as your faith is tested at the end of all of this, what is the result? Praise, glory, and honor. Say it with me. Praise, glory, and honor. Is that, isn't that all that matters? Isn't it all that matters at the end of the day that our God gets praise, glory, and honor? Some of us need to go back a step and you need to protect your hope. You need to fight for your hope because at the end of it results in praise and glory and honor. And here's what I love about it, not just in your life. If it were just for your life and you giving praise, glory and honor, that'd be enough. But what I love about hope is that when we have hope, hope spreads. <laughs> you ever notice this? Like pessimism is contagious, right? You ever been in a situation with someone, you've been sitting there talking to them, 
and you're like in this really good mood and you start talking to them and you're like, you know what? The world is terrible. This is unbelievable. Why would I ever have? But then have you ever sat in the same room when you're in a bad mood? Anybody have bad moods? Come on, let me give it. Edmund, come on. You ever been sitting across? This is why I love my relationship with Pastor Oscar and Pastor John and the leadership team. We have this bond. We've been through a lot together as a team. And there's times we're all, there's times that some of us walk in in a, in a bad mood. You know what's incre- incredibly encouraging to me is that every time I leave, I leave encouraged. Times that I'll call Pastor Oscar or Pastor Oscar call me and we're like, man, I'm just going, I'm going through it right now. It's tough. But I can promise you this, I'm always gonna leave encouraged and I hope that it's the same for him. That we can have hope. We need to put ourselves around people who encourage us because hope spreads. And some of you walked in today and you've been hopeless and I'm gonna encourage you as you stir your hope, you're not just gonna have hope for yourself, but you're gonna begin to walk back into your family and where that family right now feels a bit hopeless. Like you you walked into Thanksgiving, anybody eat too much turkey this weekend? You walked into it, you were hoping for something different than it's been in the previous years and you walked in and, and you walked into that family setting and you left frustrated. I'm just telling you, as you stir your hope, that family is going to change. And where there is no hope, there's gonna be hope. Can I get an amen? And some of you, you've been hopeless for your child, but all of a sudden you're gonna change your language. You're gonna change your thinking. You're not going to think the same way or say the same things, but you're going to go into that relationship and they're going to be pessimistic and you're going to be hopeful and you're going to walk away. And you're going to go back in that same situation and they're going to be pessimistic and you're going to be hopeful and nothing's going to change. And then you're going to continue to go back in that situation and they're going to be pessimistic and you're going to be hopeful. They're not going to change. And then you're going to be pessimistic and they're going to be pessimistic and hopeful. And all of a sudden, I'm just telling you that hope's going to spread. It's going to spread. Romans 15, 12 through 13. This is the Passion Translation, or the New New Living Translation, I'm sorry. It says, in another place, Isaiah said, the heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles. So this prophesying Jesus, they will place their hope on him. And I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will what? Overflow with confident hope through the power of of the Holy Spirit. You know what happens when you overflow? What do you do? You spill out. You spill out. And your confident hope begins to spill out. And that relationship with that child begins to change. And your relationship with your spouse begins to change. And your relationship with your boss begins to change. And your relationship with that person next to you in the name of Jesus in that cubicle, you're like, oh, Lord Jesus. It begins to change because you walk in with hope and you begin to spill hope because you overflow with hope. And all of a sudden, things change. Hope can change things. If there's a time in history, in our lifetime, where we need hope, it's now. 
Stop walking around pessimistic. Stop thinking about the news. Stop watching everything on social media and begin to speak the word of God over your situation. And watch the hope. And listen, you, may, you know, here's what's interesting. You may not change the world, but we, we, we will ch- what you will change is the world around you. And if we have enough Christians walking around, changing the hope around them, all of a sudden, we can have an impact on this world. But we look at this world, and it feels daunting, and it feels impossible, and it feels like we can't do it. So we give up hope instead of saying, I'm going to light the hope around me. I like the way the Passion Translation says it. It says, and Isaiah prophesied, and heir to David's throne will emerge, and he will rise up as a ruler over nations, over the nations, um, ruler over, and ruler over, of the non-Jewish nations, for all their hope will be met in him. Now may God, the fountain of hope, I love that, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with a super abundance until you radiate with hope. Radiate. This weekend, God led me to this passage. I wasn't even thinking about the advent was happening. As I began to process this, I realized that just as a candle, Pastor Cameron's gonna come up and light this in Edmund at the same time. But just as a candle is lit, it radiates. And right now, this candle doesn't radiate a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of light. There's not a whole lot of heat. But the cool thing about a fire is sometimes it just has to start small. And sometimes you're you're beating yourself up because you feel like you've lost hope. And my prayer has been this, as I've been praying for this weekend, is that, I mean, I hope that you, you leave with a lot of hope, but, but really, to be honest, I'm just hoping that just a little fire is lit in you. Just a little fire, because as this radiates, guess what? If I were to kick this over, we would have a problem on our hands. <laughs> You know, you, you look all over the nation and there's been the, those forest fires over the last couple of years. They started with a spark. And my prayer is, is that we could just get a spark. Come on. Can we just get a spark going? Can we just believe for who God is? Can we just worship him for who he is and for what he can do? We can have hope in that. And I'm just telling you right now, there's a spark. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, your lives light up the world. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it under an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that your, com- your commendable works, commendable works, will shine as a light upon them and they will give their praise to your Father 
and heaven. Praise, glory, and honor. As you just spark just a little bit of hope, it begins to pour out on the people around us. At Edmund, online, here in OKC, would you stand with me just for a second? And what I want us to do for just a second is I want us to stir our hope. I want us to begin to hope for things that maybe you haven't hoped for for a long time. I want us, as we worship here in just a moment, I want you to fight for your hope. I want you to protect your hope. I want you to endure some testing in your hope. I want us to just begin to spark some hope. How many of us need some hope this morning? Come on, hands all over the room. Can we just keep our hands up? Thank you, God, for who you are. Our faith and our hope are in you, not in this world. So God, over the next few moments, would you stir our hope? Would you relight some hope in some people's lives? And God, would you allow that to begin to overflow and radiate onto the people around us? Let's worship him. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.